So you guys aware of this uh, Ohio State attempted to trademark the word the? Yeah, it's been a... Th- yeah, that's that's been a thing for a while, ballsy. hasn't it? Yeah. It is ballsy. You yeah. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah we're, that's right. I think I'm going to try to trademark a comma right. uh, here pretty soon. No, that's a good idea. But it uh, just kind of came to my attention today that apparently the Mark Jacobs uh, fashion label brand has also tried to do that. Now they're like uh, wrapped up in court. So Ohio State and Mark Jacobs and Mark the, Jacobs fashion brand. Mark Jacobs. Do, do they refer to themselves as the Mark Jacobs? They apparently have got uh, a logo that goes on shirts and whatnot that says the. Oh, so anyway. I, I would think the the would have something to say about all of this. I would just like they to might. sit in that courtroom for five minutes and hear what the preside like, that. I just feel like it's probably a series of like heavy sighs by the judge by like. I you guys are wasting everybody's time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is quite a waste of time. Yeah, sure. Hubris. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Call that party of those. Um. Yeah. Well, keep an eye on that. And uh, yeah, we, any other articles that you come we, across. We occasionally touch on intellectual <laughs> property in this show, and it'll probably come up uh, again later. Oh, N- not not the, but next week adverbs. That's right. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Yeah, nice to see everybody. Uh, we're here in the in the holidays. We've moved about uh, ten feet away from where we've recorded the last couple. We're now uh, in uh, the living room. Yeah, we've graduated. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it's one of those deals that I think a byproduct of um, putting the mics down for a little bit during COVID is that when we pick this back up. We're not recording at Mark's office anymore. We're actually recording in his home. And uh, the acoustics are a little bit different. So if you have some suggestions or thoughts about the acoustics, uh, keep those to yourselves and keep listening. Yes, please. Thanks. All right. You want to kick it off? Yeah. Uh, hey, guys. I, uh, I'm i Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. So um, we do have Celebrity Death Watch, Musical Death Watch, for this week. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the son of the woman that invented uh, Whiteout. Was it, it Whiteout uh, or Liquid Paper? Well, isn't that the same? Same difference. Well, yeah. I just, uh, so anyway, this, the yeah. son of the, of the lady that, that invented Liquid Paper or Whiteout uh, passed away this week. Um, it's weird that I never knew that until uh, he passed. Oh, is that right? No. I mean, I think I, mean, I learned it when uh, they became a thing again in like the what was it late eighties and MTV started playing those monkeys episodes yes. again. Yeah. They, For well, those of you that don't know the trivia, th- we're talking about Michael Nesmith. Michael uh, Nesmith which, was he the one with the ski cap? Yes, he was the one with the uh, the toque or the ski cap, Beanie, or whatever you whatever, call it. If you yeah. live in Canada, um, it's a toque, right? They were uh, for those of the uninitiated. Those were they were a uh, TV. Um, musical group that uh, came about it was like a bunch of executives were trying 60s. to recreate the beatles like from a boardroom or something exactly like, yeah um yeah it was it was uh it was definitely i mean there's a lot of uh other examples of these type of things in like music where you have kind of these corporate formed musical acts mm-hmm. but this one was specific for tv they had they had kind of like their they, own. they had uh, wacky misadventures yeah yeah yeah, there was a little bit of that. Um, 
uh, what's that? We used to talk about this on the show a lot, Ryan. You remember the uh, the we would hallmark the Leslie Nielsen hosted episode of SNL, oh, the, where uh, was the nineteen sixties movie, yeah, uh, was uh, where know, there was. A, by the way, I'm terrified of gorillas, so please don't dress like one. <laughs> yeah, it was just full, it was full of and it, like <laughs> who bizarre. has the jewels? Oh, I did have them, but I pushed them down the bra of this booksome secretary. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there was a lot of there's a lot That's of crazy. chatter like that. Mm. Um, it's Ryan offends uh, most of but Scotland. In his own right, Michael Nesmith was a very talented singer songwriter. Oh musician. sure. And well, um, they eventually put out what's that head? It was like a movie and an album or something that did, was them yeah. trying to like go serious, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, like you said, I think late '80s, maybe somewhere around 90s, there. MTV. They started. had a little bit of a comeback. I mm-hmm. remember seeing them at Astroworld, actually. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> and. Uh, and then, of course, most recently, just uh, just in the past couple of months, they were doing a tour, um, and they had just wrapped up the well, tour. Well, Davy Jones was already dead, right? So I guess uh, I don't know. Other I, people took over his. I know vocal somebody duties. got his locker. Uh, right. Oh, thanks. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes, so they 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 did wrap up the tour, and but uh, Michael Nesmith passed away this week. So rest in peace. Yeah. But then um, a good segue. They they were kind of a, um, a a mimic of the Beatles in a yeah, way. Yeah, they were a watered down uh, corporate version of the Beatles. And the Beatles have been uh, kind of in popular culture again the last uh, month or so. It's been really fascinating, and I we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more. But it has been really fascinating to me. And you and I, Mark, we talked a little bit about this last week in between shows, where um, I mentioned that like that news outlets have been finding like they're just grasping for any potential additional straw, like a new fresh angle to like one of the articles I read earlier this week was like, um, here are all the other people who are in the Beatles documentary and what happened to them. And I was like, I'll read that. And so <laughs> well, dude, like, I, like, I mean, they engender <laughs> clicks, no doubt about it. Like it sent stuff like at least half a dozen Beatles articles like every day. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, it's like what George Harrison thought about like ELO's second record. Yeah, so so uh, the, that, and and as a good article as as <laughs> right? happens, we're kind of coming into this backwards. But the uh, but we're talking about Peter Jackson's three part Beatles documentary where they took all the found the you know, the leftover footage from the movie uh, that broke in 1970. Let it be. Yeah, that was um, that was really kind of uh, I guess panned. By virtue of the fact that it was like sort of characterized as a breakup record, and anyway, I also read an interview with the uh, the original director, who's all oh, over. it was uh, something dash hog, uh, Michael Lindsay Hog, Michael Lindsay Hog, yeah. Is. Anyway, yeah, who lives in upstate New York now, of course, oh, but uh, as you do, yeah. But anyway, it it just uh, that whole we could do one of the things that Mark and I talked about last week was the fact that like we could have done an entire hour just on the subtext of that like everything that we learned but it's already it's really kind of been referenced and cross-referenced a lot and by the time that that our audience hears this it will have been out for even longer so you know who knows except to say that uh i it was really interesting to be a fly on the wall in that creative process what my biggest takeaway at least from like the the first hour because or the first uh segment like a couple hours long they kind of do it in like a three uh, arc, uh, like a three arc narrative kind of situation. Yeah, the beginning of it's a little slow, a little. And like apparently John Lennon was known for just being late and like 
Paul's getting annoyed, and he's like, oh, well, Lennon's late again. So he just goes and writes uh, Get Back. Like, while they're just waiting around. Yeah. Like, I mean, sketched out, like, kind of most of it. I mean, it, it got fleshed out quite a bit yeah. with your Billy Preston. Wrote it, uh, wrote it on his base. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, yeah. Yeah, the, and the, the thing that's sort of the most... Um, it seems like the most often, uh, the thing that I read most often specifically on that part was like he was in such a like creative groove. And then you take that idea and the fact that he just had to wait around and kill time and that they were at this really sort of tense, like it well, was yeah, probably like an two outlet week, as much as like, anything. Uh, you know, like a two week window that they had to get all this stuff done, like or else. Right. And I'm sure, you know, McCartney's like, Dudes, pick it up. Segwaying into um, tonight's topic, the the artists that we're going to cover this evening, uh, Mark, I'll, let you, I'll throw this to you, but the artist that we're going to cover this evening is one that specifically got called out by Paul McCartney as one of the one of the most prolific talents today. I think that would be hard to argue. I think so too, and uh, it actually is her birthday today, which you know, oh, yeah. thirty three. She's thirty two, I believe. Um, Taylor Swift is who we are talking about. And uh, oh, yeah. the, we're going to be covering yeah. uh, the second album that she has re-recorded. Uh, and I'm sure that we will get into uh, some of that story as well tonight. Uh, but this is uh, Red, uh, Taylor's version. Um, and it... Uh, yeah, Mark picked the Ultra Marathon <laughs> uh, album for us I to just... tackle. I, I I completely forgot. There was so I've been meaning to tell you guys. There's there's oh, can that oh. be the cover for this week's uh sure. show? Yeah. Oh, Kevin a, is yeah, donning a uh, scarf. Yeah, so there's been a there's been a whole bunch of talk about the scarf and I just <laughs> I want Maggie Gyllenhaal's house apparently or I don't well, that's that was the rumor, but here's the thing. This is the scarf. I feel really bad about it. And <laughs> I more than anything, I just wanted to say, 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 uh, sorry <laughs> for taking your scarf. Yeah, well, uh, and she just dropped it. It wasn't a thing. Like I just yeah. happened to be. You yeah. didn't like swipe it. No, I didn't swipe it. No, no, it was no. just sitting there. Just... She was all starry-eyed with Jake. <laughs> Who knew it was going to be like, like big news at right, some point? Right? Exactly. <laughs> you I was like, feel terrible about it now, scarf. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it's hard to talk about this version of this record without talking about the greater situation that so, birthed so it. As far as I can gather from everything that I've read and from the uh, the Swifties that I know, and yeah. they they oh, sure. refer to themselves lovingly as Swifties, mm-hmm. uh, this is her, her greatest album. Um, oh. At least um, the one that really kind of broke her into more of a mainstream kind of pop and rock uh, genre. Right. Uh, really her crossover from from more of her, her country roots. Um, it's got a number of different genres on it. It does, yeah. It certainly does. And and I think uh, some of that is is due to the fact that this is a re-release and there are songs here that, that she refers to as from the vault that are mm-hmm. songs that she had written but never really recorded or songs that were recorded by other artists. Um, so some of that comes into this as well. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, like, okay, so so the sort of 360-degree view, if you've been, you know, for lack of a better term, like uh, not paying attention to anything Taylor Swift-related for a really long time, is that her catalog got bought by 
Scooter Braun, uh, who was uh, he was Justin Bieber's manager, and as well as that that girl that had the big hit. Anyway, uh, I'm really accurate <laughs> with all my information, really detailed. Yeah. So Scooter, but Scooter, he actually doesn't own it, own it anymore. He no, sold he it for he sold it the the mechanic. Well, he he owns half of it. In well, a the, sense. the masters. Uh, so like the recorded versions of these songs. I guess she he bought Big publicity. Machine, which but, was the label that she recorded on. And and who at the time had the had the you know ostensibly um, had the rights to those tracks, right. and so she didn't. She was not. She tried to buy them back. And they she didn't want to sell. To, she yeah, was not they able would to. not sell to her. Right. And yeah, so, so they, he's now sold them for three hundred million dollars. I yeah. don't know if it was the whole. Uh, but he still catalog. he still gets royalties off of it. So I'm not sure exactly how the terms went, but maybe you know more than I yeah, do. Yeah, so that. he he's basically splitting all of the profits that come off of those original recordings now with this. But uh, as I understand it, company that the reason it. that uh, she one of the reasons she's re-recorded is a lot of that money comes from like placement and like films and commercial and sure. all that good stuff. And if her version gets played rather than his, she gets paid and he doesn't. Right. Right. Well, and she's been as a standard issue. She's just been turning all that stuff down because there's some of that that the rights specifically like basically grant of rights comes from the songwriter instead of the you know whoever is the owner of record of whatever the the stuff is that that the masters, scooter and the masters that yeah. yeah scooter scooter and company had owned. And so anyway, she just did something that not very many are in position to do, which is she was just like, I'm just going to go and redo all of these and make them better. And uh, then has proceeded to just do that. Yeah, and she did. So, yeah. uh, I didn't actually listen to the first version of it, so I don't really have a lot of perspective. The only song from this I knew already was uh, We Are Never Getting Back to Ever or Back Together or Never Ever or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Yes, that, there's a yes. slogan. Uh, uh, I will say this. Uh, she sounds like she was a uh, panful uh, around age 22 when she put this out. Like it, it's just littered with uh, relationship trouble. I mean, there's um, some of that. Well, uh, one specific relationship, really. Yeah, and and I would I would also say, in in fairness to uh, Taylor and legions of Swifties, you know, none of us had our act together at 22. That is 100 percent true. So, uh, so, so there's that. But even beyond that, it's like. Well, what was it somebody said is like, you know, let this be a lesson to you. If you date Taylor Swift, she might just break up with you and write a 10 minute song about it that's played <laughs> everywhere. So I think that I think, you know, for me, like the thing is like I uh, I've had most of her catalog or at least certainly all the stuff off 1989 and then to a lesser extent, some of the other stuff like this off of Red foisted upon me but the thing that i've kind of come to realize by and maybe ha- it's just what, that by having a daughter yes but, yeah uh the thing that i've just come to realize is like well they're really well written songs yeah so are. anyway when no, you get past something uh it's not the kind of thing that i would go like seek out for myself but i'm like kind of in spite of myself like she's, she's pretty good at this no she's good at it she no she has chops for sure and it's like when you get past the fact that there are a lot of like heavyweight collaborations on this record and that the the songs that have been re-recorded and laid down are in many ways like sort of the, you know, the scuttlebutt seems to be like they're richer, more mm-hmm. well-informed uh, versions of the earlier versions. There is that thing that Ryan brought up earlier with the Beatles documentary where it's like you as a listener, you know, her general public has an idea as to where 
all of this plays out in her greater narrative. Mm. But and and the only thing kind of complaint that I've heard was that there are a couple of tracks off the original version that sounds like lyrically that she's grasping for something because she doesn't know if it's going to land because mm. part of this record is and the reason that some critics said it feels a little muddy is because she was easing her audience out of country and the, into yeah, being pop, pop country and, thing and, the, and then it just going straight pop well and the 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 standards are different the mores are different so mm. it's like you can be a little bit more risque and sexy and grown up in a pop through a pop lens than you can mm. through a country lens. So anyway, That's I just think the character study is really interesting. Well, you know, what interests me about it is that, you know, like you say, uh, one of the things that I've read as far as the difference of this release versus the original that she put out is just there's a richer sound. They're fuller. There's a few songs from the original, I think, that uh, have have been improved a bit. Uh, but it's interesting to me that, that she didn't really change a whole lot. Like she, and I mean, if you had the ability to go back and re-record an album, you're going to want to go through and find all the places where you, you know, it's where always kind of bothered you. Yeah, you, didn't you quite wish get you'd it done right. something a little bit different and then but tweak it. It but. doesn't seem like there was a lot off of this that she felt really needed to be Well, can I just say that the production on this is great. Like uh, a lot of times with these like, you know, pop ingenues or whatever that you know it's just really highly processed and compressed like just artifice sounding but no you can hear uh instruments really well and like there's a little bit of like you know electronic you know overdub stuff here and there but like it's just really well recorded and well mixed so yeah and she's she's worked with some some really great people uh across the tracks on here and you know we can talk about some of the collaborations that happened in here uh, but why don't we go ahead and listen to something off of this? Sure. Um, and I mean, I think, you know, if, if you look on Spotify at uh, this album and you look at kind of the play counts of all the various songs, uh, this one has four times as many plays as any other song on this album. Uh, and definitely is probably, uh, if anything, uh, from this album is the kind of the Swifty anthem. And that's the one that you brought up a minute ago, Kevin, the 10-minute the, the version of All Too Well, which... So uh, let's just play the whole 10 minutes. Yeah, oh, we're sure. just going to play the whole Everybody settle in. That falls under fair use, doesn't it? Sure, yeah, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, let's listen to that, and then uh, we'll, we'll come back and talk about it on the other side. home this week i was flipping around and i happened to catch the most recent posted episode of uh austin city limits and it just happened to be uh uh olivia rodrigo on the front end and phoebe bridgers on the back end mm. 
So it's a pretty good double bill. But the thing that was fascinating, and I'll get to why I'm bringing this up here in just a second, was that uh, in Olivia Rodrigo's set, it was just this sea, this legion of little girls who knew every word to everything that she was singing. And, and behind them, one full-ass grown man who also knew <laughs> all of the words and oh, was, like, awesome. gesturing and, like, like, like Doing. lots of, like, lunging with the hand. Like, anyway, it was, it was fascinating. It was, I was, like, riveted to it. It was so great. That is fantastic. Anyway, that is, I was, like, there's a reason that Olivia Rodrigo opened for Taylor uh, Swift on her last tour. It's, like, there's a lot of that. That audience, like the the tween and young girl audience, but as evidenced by that guy in the back row, those types of songs speak to a lot of people. Sure. So anyway, yeah, I, I mean, think this is a great example. Definitely Taylor Swift is not just limited to the tween girl crowd either. No, I think no she's quite purposefully a uh, cultivating a wider audience than yeah. that. And I haven't listened to the last two records that were more like folky or indie or whatever. Mm. Uh, but she's branching out apparently. But anyway, this is the song that she did on SNL. I started watching it and like, I'm thinking, well, it's, you know, Taylor Swift, pop girl, whatever. That's probably not going to hold my attention. I watched all 10 minutes of it and I was like, I, I think this is good. Yeah, uh, no, it's good. It is really good. The, um, and a full, Full five minutes longer than the original release of it. Well, right. There was there's a guy who um, for BuzzFeed who wrote up some really great stuff on this record. But one of the things that he mentioned was that in the original version, it's like that she, you know, that uh, her audience sings that like an anthem at her concerts and has done so for years. But the the thing that has been interesting it was like he was like well, with a full extra five minutes, it's like the first five minutes of the song is gone and it's like, you've basically told the story. So he's like, what's left to tell. And what, what ends up happening is they sort of stretch it into this, you know, larger story. So yeah. anyway, well, there was she... also rumor that there was a 20 minute version out there somewhere, but Oh really? Yeah. This is the one that surfaced. So, and the rumor is that it's from her relatively short relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal. Apparently like, this is the deal or so that's what fans think. I don't know. But when she was on uh, Seth Meyers and, she brought up this song like there was this auditory, like female centric, like gasp and applause <laughs> shrieking in the audience. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is devotion. Yeah. No. Her, yeah. She um, her fans. Is, are yeah, my, my, uh, my friend said of this song, it's everything a Swifty hoped it would be. It's deep, complex, a whirlwind, biting, visceral, and at the end, almost meditative. So I mentioned to a girl at work that when I thought we were going to record last week, uh, I was like, you know, I got to go listen to like 15 Taylor Swift songs. So I'm like halfway through the record and she goes, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, she's kind of growing on me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true. Yeah. So this, so the guy that I, that I mentioned here, the, uh, that wrote this, his name is, uh, Elamine, uh, Abdelma Hoopmood. Sorry, Elamine, I'm kind of butchering your name, but, um, but the the bit on this that I thought was interesting, he calls the line where she th where she mentions uh, the idea of I guess in this case Jake Gyllenhaal as being casually cruel. She said in the in the original version, 
The casually cruel couplet anchors the song's bridge and delivers an emotional wallop. It's part of what makes All Too Well so beloved. Swift locates the universal within her specific pain. It arrives as we near the end, hurtling toward resolution, but in the 10-minute iteration, it arrives somewhere in the middle. Where do we go from here? What's left to say? So... He, said, he goes on to say that the musical appraisal of Swift often gives way to a sort of light biography, but he said to assess her music is to read and reread the text of her life, which is a little bit of, um, you know, music critic hyperbole, but at, the, but at the same time, like, I do think she's an extraordinary songwriter, and she songs is, like this and are her lyrical example. style is kind of like on the nose. Sure. Like, I mean, she's, oh, sure. she's not elliptical really about much of anything. I no. mean, she doesn't name names, but like... It's pretty specific. Uh, well, I understand that her next record has a song called This One's About Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Rob Sheffield at Rolling Stone uh, said that every emotional detail hits home. She goes deeper into the story, venting her grief and rage, getting so savage it makes Dear John sound like I will always love you. She hits harder <laughs> about the age difference, sneering, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. Yeah, she's got a little a dig. Got a little bit of McConaughey in there. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Apparently, um, yeah. Rob Sheffield also uh, ranked all 206 Taylor Swift songs. Oh, did he? Yeah, somebody with some time on their hands. Well, yeah, that's just kind of his jam. But um, should we roll another one? Yeah, and it's really difficult to, to you know to isolate this down to just three songs off this. 30 song release um and there's so much variance across it you know, sure we've, we've already mentioned that there's there's some that really uh really capture that that country uh she got a shania twain thing going on yeah in like three or four of these tracks on some of them she does and um you know she's got some with ed sheeran she's got uh she's got uh, a song on here with uh phoebe bridgers who you mentioned yeah, um, that's a great track. And uh, she's got uh, a song that she uh, sings with Gary Lightbody from um, Snow Patrol. Yeah. That sounds like a Snow Patrol song, to me at least. Yeah. Uh, which is not a bad thing. I, you know, one that, uh, that I really, that, that I kind of, it's maybe a guilty pleasure from one of the From the Archive songs that's on this uh, is a, a really good little kind of pop song called message in a bottle so uh, i'd like to play that one it's not a police cover is it it is not it's not song makes me smile it's a feel-good song there's a lot of uh there's a lot of like uh top down uh open road songs on this record sure sure and this seems like one of them 
like the like breezy. I think it's a, a sugary pop confection. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> would you uh, ca- uh, would you call it a shimmering pop confection? Possibly. It, it, yeah. It spots. Yeah. Uh, I will say this is not one of the ones that really grabbed me uh, like other ones. I kind of thought this is what I was get, getting in for. It was like a whole record of this, which mm-hmm. is not bad. It's just not really me. Uh, but there's more there there than I was expecting. Hello, Kitty. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> speaking to our Tokyo fans. I have a cat in my lap. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's and uh, and I do think that like she can she can knock out songs like this in her sleep, like and maybe does. Well, and she probably could have had a long career of just doing this, uh, but it, it it seems to me that she just. Uh, she gets bored of doing the same thing over and over again. One of the things that I, uh, drawing a parallel, one of the things that I mentioned when we were talking about the Beatles stuff last week that I think has a, also has a parallel here was was the fact that some I read something where somebody said, like, there are artists who don't have a career like Paul McCartney's January of 1969. Right, right. I feel like, Taylor Swift has some of that going on. Yeah, it's like I would there's agree. there's a groove for her where she's just either she's got a backlog of stuff that she's just managed to she she just has a she's got a real gift for being able to continually crank out things that sound like her but at the same time uh are really engaging to the audience in a lot of different ways. So it, Yeah. Well, and like I said, you know, before we listen to that um this album there's there's such a wide range of style and there's at least something on here i think that appeals to yeah something for everybody, everybody just about yeah um and that shows that shows a lot to her talent and not a lot of avant-garde i'll say that sorry there's not there's a lot of what? not a lot of avant-garde no but 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 she know. does stretch creatively yeah she does and and um yeah i think i think sugary pop songs like this you know every now and then that that's that's kind of what you're looking for so Sure. Um, this one just really kind of, I don't know, like I said, guilty pleasure. Kinda. Yeah, no. There, it's a spot. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that to be had for sure. Well, um, how are we doing on time? Should we? Uh, I think we should, uh, let's let's take a little bit of a. Uh, a few minutes with? We can yeah. take a few minutes with. Let's do that. Uh, so, gentlemen, have I ever brought up uh, a song by uh, Young MC called Bust a Move? Bust a I mean, maybe? <laughs> I don't think I've brought it up on this show, at the very least. I actually have, like, kind of a personal history with it also. But I also sort of think it's a great song. Uh, it is a good song. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy it a great deal. I also got busted for stealing that cassette tape uh, from a fiesta when I was in high school. Uh, wow. which was, yeah, there's a whole history there. Uh, uh, me and Kevin, you remember Dean Wolf? He played, uh, yeah, he played sure. bass. He and I were doing the. This is the nerdiest thing ever. Uh, there was a uh, like a band, like sort of talent show variety thing or whatever. We put together this rap that I did while throwing candy to the crowd. That while he played bass, that was set to the tune of Bust a Move, but it was about all the like girls in band. Anyway, it was dorky and fun, all that good stuff. But 
I just was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll just take the cassette. Whatever. I, I had money. I don't know what, what my deal was. I just didn't have ethics at that point. But anyway, I got busted. Mom and Dad had to come pick me up. They were not pleased. Uh, wow. But anyway, I paid restitution. Busted with Busta Move. All that good stuff. But yeah. I do think it's kind of a perfect song. Uh, lyrically, a little awkward. But anyway, why don't we get into a little bit of uh, Bust Move by Young MC. This here's a jam for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down because you're overzealous. Play hard to get females get jealous. Okay, smarty, go to a party. Girls are scantily clad, are showing body. A chick walks by, you wish she could sex her, but you're standing on the wall like you was Poindexter. Next day's function, high class luncheon. Food is served and you're stone cold munching. Music comes on, people start to dance, but then you ate so much, you nearly split your pants. A girl starts walking, guys start gawking. Sits down next to you and starts talking. Says she want to dance because she likes the groove. So come on, fat so and just bust the move. Man, I legit think that's a nearly perfect song. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, I think the name of the album that it came off of, Stone Cold, Cold, Stone Cold Ryman, <laughs> apostrophe, yeah. is amazing. Yeah, name one other Young MC song. Yeah, I, nah. Or, uh, what is no? Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, that's a great song. And, and I had never actually realized until I watched the video and... Then had to check the internet for my about uh, flea about flea. Yeah, that is flea playing the bass. <clears throat> Did you know that there's a Bet Midler sample in there? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was looking at. I was just the looking hell? up the Wikipedia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they put it all together pretty well. I guess Shane would probably characterize this as like New Jack Swing, but it's yeah you know, hip hop uh, anyway. Yeah, and it's super infectious. The video is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, and okay, so lyrically, there's some things that I think need to be addressed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, all right. I just love the idea of you're sitting in a um, movie theater and a woman looks over you and goes, uh, uh, come sit next to me, you fine fellow. <laughs> you're like, all right. She's all dressed in yellow, you know, like. Yeah, I'm you're, gonna have you're to like ask this, you to. You're like this scans <laughs> kindly. <step laughs> just, you fine fellow, <laughs> come sit next to me. I don't know. The other thing is, um, all right. So this whole wedding thing, it's unclear. Um, your best How friend so? Harry has a brother, Larry. Yeah. In five days from now, he's gonna marry. So it's Larry's was wedding. It, was it Larry, Harry, or yeah. Larry? Do we know? No, your best I, friend is Harry. He has a yeah. brother, Larry. But Larry, it's Larry's wedding. So if it's Larry's wedding, why does he want you to be the best man if you're like really Harry's friend? And why is it five <laughs> days before the wedding and you don't know what you're gonna do yet? Yeah, yeah. And you're also on such shaky ground that if the bride looks at you sideways, you're like, up, oh, change your plans. <laughs> like, like, it's all very a little bit suspect. It is. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and so like, you know, you say neato, <clears throat> check your libido, <laughs> roll to the church in your new tuxedo. Anyhow. Uh, also, neato is not a very hip hop word. <laughs> you don't hear that in a lot of hip hop songs. Uh, but it does rhyme. Uh, Stone cold. It does. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, in the song, evidently, like, uh, one of the bridesmaids is, like, feeling this vibe and, you know, who he's eventually going to bust and move on. In the video, it's the bride. 
Yeah. Uh, which uh, I'm going to say is a bad idea if you're a best man. I mean, at the very least, it feels like it would come up in the, you know, reception. Yeah. Right. The but, no, the reception's pumping. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, clearly not the best man if you're taking those. No. Right. Kind of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. As it, as it stands. Yeah. It's going to make the speeches really awkward. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I do dearly love that song and and it's kind of on semi-regular rotation. So. Well, Good shit. Thank you. Hey, happy yes. to share. No, that was that was a treat, a, right? That was a great was. little treat. Yeah. For us. Great palate cleanser. I'll say. <laughs> Why don't we go back uh to listen to uh Taylor? Okay, let's do it. couple of quick tidbits um we're talking about taylor swift's uh i almost called it redubbing <laughs> her uh her re-recording of of uh her album red which uh ballooned from 22 tracks to a robust 30 and seems to by all counts have gotten better but um going back to this buzzfeed article that i mentioned a couple of times one of the things i i think is that that was notable here is is he the guy the author says in the last 15 months and this is written i don't know whatever a month or two ago whenever this came out swift has set a new bar for pop star ubiquity she released two number one albums 2020's pair folklore and evermore the former winning album of the year at the grammys earlier this year in the sp- and in, earlier this year in the spring she released a re-recording of her breakout album 2008's fearless and that promptly went to number one and just this weekend you know, as of the time of the writing, uh, you know, Red came out and in process smashed multiple records, including most streamed album in a day by a woman and most streamed woman in one day in Spotify history. So I don't think any so, of that, that is surprising. The, the, the streamy awards? Uh, the streamies. Yes, the streamies. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, it's, he goes on to say, that uh, Red Taylor's version is projected to more than double the first week sales of Fearless tra- Taylor's version. In fact, it's on track to have the second best first week sales of 2021 so far after Drake's certified lover boy, a stat that's likely to hold until after Adele releases 30, which was getting ready to break, and that's since gone on to break some records. So anyway, it's in lofty. The point is, is like, I don't think anybody's surprised that it was well-received, but it's like, it continues to push the boundaries of. You gotta that think uh, her mantle has to be really well girded to hold home, all you? this. All this. <laughs> her mantle. There's no language, like, Ryan. Like, language. <laughs> you know, like living room. Let's not mantle. beat around the bush here, Ryan. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. Uh, she has won a pile of awards. She might have to build new mantles, right, uh, to hold them all. Like, yeah. It's nuts. Uh, but a case. It's, even. But it's, it's funny you bring up. Uh, I don't know. This is funny, but apt that you bring up Adele because I feel like. They're like she's like Adele and like um, Ed Sheeran, like massively popular people that I don't know a whole lot about, other right, than sure. just ubiquity in the culture. Yeah, but are generally like well regarded or whatever. Like, yeah, I feel like it's a pretty, you know, uh, there are very few people in that club, and that's them. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, and this, and we we touched on earlier that this record is full of collaborations. Ed Sheeran is one of them. Um, obviously, she does a she does a really killer. There's a really killer track that she does with Phoebe Bridgers that I thought was really terrific. 
Um, and uh, we Mark talked about the guy from Snow Patrol. Like there are a few more. Chris Stapleton's Chris got Stapleton, one on here. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's uh, her country roots. Yeah. So and she seems to you know again she seems I think she seems to like sort of tread back and forth from one you know sort of the pop uh, entrance of of one, of those songs feel totally naturally to me and then the the ones that she sings that are really you know country inflected tracks seem to land too so anyway. Um, well, regarding like the collaborations, uh, evidently she doesn't like to cold call people. She has, she has like a lengthy uh, text message that she'll send out when she wants to collaborate with somebody. Yeah, and kind of feel them out and send them a link to like what she has, and if it doesn't really jibe with like what they want to do artistically, then she's fine with it or whatever. So she did that with Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah, and what she got back was, "I've been waiting for this text my whole life." <laughs> I didn't see that. That's hilarious. That's part of, it was on the Seth Meyers interview. Anyway, uh, I thought that was kind of great. Did I tell you that um, that somebody tweeted around Halloween that if they saw uh, little kids come up to their door in a skeleton costume, they were going to make them name five Phoebe Richards songs? <laughs> what does one thing have to do well, with yeah, the other? The... She, that's what she dressed at. She dressed oh, okay. in a skeleton oh, costume oh, on, on SNL. SNL. That's yeah. right. Anyway, don't come, follow along, Ryan. Anyway, no, who that's was great. Who played naked a few weeks ago? Uh, Casey Musgraves. I that's think. what it, who was? Yeah, yeah. Former Austinite. That's true. Anyway, apparently clothed for most of that time here, from what I understand, as I recall. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, that's great, and it sounds like it's that sounds like exactly what Phoebe Bridgers would say. Well, right, and like, like you know. My background, I kind of think of these things a little cynically in like music business terms or whatever, you know, like Ed Sheeran's like he's going to bring his massive audience. She's going to, you know, it's a tit for tat kind of thing. Phoebe Bridgers, I think it gives her like uh, indie cred or something, you know, like gives Taylor Swift Taylor Swift yeah. a little bit of cred. Yeah. And, you know, and Phoebe Bridgers gets a wider audience out of it. Oh, so sure. Win win. Yeah. No, they're 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 both uh, extra talented, and I did think that like, well, we that that collaboration in particular, I thought ends up landing in a really interesting way that showcases both audiences. And one of the things that that got mentioned a few times in different things that I came across was that one criticism of Taylor Swift is that on some of these collaborations with women, the women don't really sing; they end up singing background. And so that didn't happen as mm. much. They traded, they you know shared uh, more in that Phoebe Bridgers collaboration than what she's his, done historically in the past, which tells me that she probably is. You know, uh, Taylor Swift is does pay attention to the pulse of some of her feedback. Well, and I so. think she's got pretty broad taste too. I mean, like it, you know, pretty good. Like there's a song on here that sounds like uh, uh, Mazzy Star, like just. Mm. Indicative of nothing else on the record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gauzy. Like yeah. Kind of just like that kind of like, um, you know, jaunty, slow acoustic strum kind of thing that Mazzy Star did well, really well. Anyway, yeah. good song. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a little all over the place, but in a good way. So uh, some in some of the notes that my friend gave me about this album. The Swifty. Um, yeah. She said that um, there's there's a song on here that it's Girl at Home. Uh, the original song she referred to as, you know, not very good, but um, she she just mentioned to me that that um, 
Taylor had Elvira produce this. And of course, I was immediately thinking Mistress, Mistress of, of the Dark. The dark. <laughs> uh, the, the subject of the it is an not, Boys song. <laughs> yeah, it is not the same Elvira. This is actually um, a, a produce, Swedish producer, Elvira Anderfjard. Gesundheit. Anderfjard. Um, yeah. Uh, but apparently, uh, this same producer has worked with Katy Perry and Tove Lowe. Um, so, uh, yeah, she, she worked with a lot of, um, you know, really good people on this and has brought together quite an album, I think. Yeah, it was certainly a fun listen and, um, and, uh, I'll be curious to see what she tackles next. But, um, but I mean, this was, this had to be, you know, a, a pretty monumental undertaking, and the other thing is, is like, you know, it does show a certain amount of either just confidence in her own progression as a musician and sort of where what her life experience is now and take bringing a little bit of something more seasoned to the tracks here and certainly expanding on some and including some stuff that didn't make the original LP. But also, like, you have to be pretty confident of how you're going to land with your audience uh, without regard to the critics in order to go back and do this again, or just be pissed enough at Scooter Braun. That's which true. Which is probably a little bit of both. Yeah, probably some of it. Anyway. Mark, uh, you got something else for us? What do you, yeah, what why else? don't we listen to one more? And I'm, I'm having a really tough time deciding which one that's going to be. Um, but uh, before we started the show, I asked you guys for some of your picks off of it. Um, and... Uh, Kevin, you mentioned uh, the song 22. Yeah. Um, so why don't we listen to that? Okay. It seems like one of those nights This place is too crowded Too many cool kids It seems like one of those nights We ditch the whole scene And end up dreaming Instead of sleeping Yeah We're happy, free, confused, and lonely I'm a bit far removed from it, but uh, I don't remember 22 feeling like this. It's a little bit of a banger. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah, I love that song. That that was actually the first track that I listened to off of this record by total accident. And I was like, well, I was like, greetings, Taylor Swift record. Um, that's how I talk to my music. But, the, you know, beyond that, like, I thought, oh, oh and she did tweet today that uh, she was feeling 32. Oh, so that's good. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, uh Apropos of uh, whatever aging, but uh, are you but, feeling fifty-two? Uh, n- n- seldom. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the, the but the gist is like, I thought that uh, I thought that song was fun and upbeat. And again, that's another that's another you know top top down wind in your hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Going out on the town. With yeah, the ladies. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not having a care in the ladies. world. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Showing an understanding of the ladies. 
Sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I don't yeah. think they would all agree with that assessment. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, fun track. And um, by the way, I almost mentioned this when we when we did the when we were in a few minutes with break. And this song, I did watch the video for it. I miss uh, literal videos. Yeah, that, like where there's like you know the they say something that's exactly what happens in the video out on the screen. Yeah, yeah, instead of like you know some some sort of like. You know, someone's painting with blood, like or whatever. The you know, it's like it's, it's a like, metaphor for something. I, I was like, I don't just, just tell me, Michael Stipe. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, this this I thought uh, that was, and it's like pretty much what it looks like. They're all dressed like hipsters and making fun of their exes and and having one of those uh, you know sort of silly over the top nights that presumably uh, young women have at twenty two. I don't know. I was invited to those parties. I was not either. Yeah, but uh, I've tried to infiltrate a couple, and like you're not welcome. Sure, they're like get out. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah. Now this this record was fun, Mark, and um, and I will say that like, yeah, thirty songs is a lot, but uh, but the good news is is like there was there's a lot of a lot of meat on the bone, so Mm -hmm. to speak, and uh, and it was fun listen. Yeah, not really any stinkers on here. I mean. Definitely some that that don't land as as uh, well as the majority of the album. But I mean, I think the first like five or six tracks, I was like, not it wasn't blowing me away. I mean, yeah. I didn't think they're terrible or anything, but I was like, all right, well, I'm, this is going to be a bit of a slog. But no, it picked up. Yeah, definitely and, does. Uh, okay, great, uh, Kevin. You're going to take us out with uh, something new this week. Then. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're going to listen to a track uh, from a Canadian artist called Fan Club Wallet. A uh, track called Car Crash in G Major. Club Wallet, all one word. So is that a is Fan Club Wallet a they or a she? It's she. Right. I mean, I don't know what her pronouns are, but I mean, like well, that's no. A, it's a. <laughs> that's not, I mean, is it multiple people? No, uh, it's. It, uh, I believe it's. A, it's, a, it's a. It's a solo artist from Ottawa. Uh, so, in, like, yeah. soccer mommy is a she. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. As far as I know. Well. Uh, yeah. So. So anyway, yeah. Uh, but this is a this record uh, the, off the record. Heard is boring, which I thought was kind of a nice uh, little juxtaposition on the uh, Swiftian uh, chatter. Uh, she's a indie pop artist from from Canada. That is a very Kevin Newsom song. Yeah, uh, you say is, that a lot. It's not a I bad like thing. It. I like it. But yeah, yeah like you are the target demo. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I like be, it. I like it too. Sure. I mean, it's not a, uh, you know, autumn sweater. 
but uh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> we used to do parodies of that uh, that Cosby sweater, which you can't really do anymore. No, you can't. It's kind of <laughs> you and your Cosby sweater. <laughs> it's just yeah. The the second verse of that version of that song would be <laughs> probably unprintable. Um. Anyway, uh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, worth mentioning if anybody listening out there knows uh, if you're Canadian and you're a musician and you know how to do taxes, uh, she needs some help with her taxes. Oh, yeah. Or do you find her Twitter feed? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She so, seems to be putting it all out there on the Twitter feed. But um, somebody did write in on her Bandcamp page and mentioned that they have the same uh, Nissan Micra K10 as her <laughs> first car. <laughs> Which is, is that? Is that what she's donning in that video? I don't know. That video is great. Uh, yeah. That video is. Uh, that's the other thing. Is like it is a tiny bit of a contrast to the production value of your average Taylor Swift song. That's true. Uh, that she in the in the video, which we Mark will link out to it um, when we post it. But the but I also think that uh, uh, go find it because it's it, you know she's essentially wearing a she's wearing uh, a, a little. Cardboard car, a cardboard yeah. car cutout, yeah, and standing in traffic, and anyway, uh, but that's a it's a fun track, it's and a, it's a cute video. It is a cute video. Yeah. Anyway, um, you guys want to know what we're going to talk about next week? Oh, do I? You got it, don't you? I do. Yeah. So, um, so I'm gonna uh, uh, one of the tracks that are. One of the the records that I had had listened to and really enjoyed what I'd heard thus far, and I was like, you know, given the, I mean, I just have a backlog of stuff since it's been so long since we had, mm-hmm. you know started to pick this back up again. Thanks, COVID. Um, but uh, we're gonna listen to a record by an artist named Charlie Martin, who is one of the two guys behind Hovdy, based here in Austin. Um, he put out a record. Uh, called Imaginary People, and uh, and I really dig what I've heard so far, but I'm looking forward to uh, rolling around in the rest of it and sharing that with you guys. That sounds cool. fascinating. Yeah, so Charlie Martin, Imaginary People, that's happening next week. Next uh, time. I am a blank slate on yeah, this, so uh, looking forward to it. Okay. Sounds fantastic. Well, very good. Well, until next week, folks, uh, thanks for stopping by. Oh, by the way, if look, before we head out, um, that is message somebody at gmail.com. If you have suggestions or just feedback or uh, advice, we'd, we'd love to <laughs> advice. Yeah. Clear from the, from the many, many missteps of this show. Uh, <laughs> we'd always love to hear from you. And, uh, in the meantime, uh, until next time, I'm Kevin, I'm Ryan and I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it. <laughs>